My name is Jason Little. I'm a photographer from Harlem, New York. Uh, so the photo I took was uh, taken the day of election day. I think it was election day and uh, for 2020 election. Um, it was taken on a march from Barclay Center uh, to where we ultimately ended up at uh, the Brooklyn Museum. And it was basically a, you know, sort of a voter registration, voter, you know, encouragement drive to encourage people to come out, support, you know, um, of course, support your candidate. It's, it's about just generally voting, but the people who I was with were out there to say, we're hopeful. You know, we don't know what's gonna happen with this election. Um, there are no perfect candidates. You know, uh, the choices we have in front of us aren't ideal, but um, we have to make an effort. You know, we have to participate in this process um, to remove one person that we think is highly problematic and then see what happens. You know, I don't think that people were saying, um, oh, well, you know, Biden, he would be a perfect choice. It was just saying, we've got to try. <laughs> you know, we've got to try something else. And um, so there was, in that, in that sense, there was a little bit of hope in people, you know, that we could try to make change, even if it's incremental. And uh, so that's why I think there was so much good energy in the march that day and um, just just a little sense of hope that people had that we could do, you know, we could see a little bit of change and, and start from there, you know, you know, because what had gone on the previous four years, um, people felt it was unbearable. Um, people felt we can't have another four years of this, so I'm gonna come out and vote for change. And after that, we'll see how the change goes. When was the first time you started covering the Black Lives Matter protests? Uh, it was the first night that there were protests held in New York um, after we all saw the George Floyd video. Uh, I went out that first night, uh, I believe it was Union Square, and um, it just continued from that point. And, and what got you interested in covering the protests? Oh, at first it was just the interest in what the reaction was. Um, I was interested in capturing the reaction to that moment that the whole world saw. I knew it was historical, but the reason I continued was because what I saw in the news and what I saw in person as far as what was going on in these protests weren't matching up. And I felt like it was, even though I was only one person, I felt some sort of responsibility for portraying things as they were actually happening and not allowing um, the media to control the narrative. And um, how long have you been covering the protests for? Uh, from that day till today. I'm, I'm still out there uh, whenever there's something going on, um, even if it's sort of a, a sort of not directly related to BLM, it's, um, it's something that I'm still covering. I've continued the whole time. So two, two years now, um, specifically related to this. Um, before that, I was doing things just random 
events as they would pop up. You know, there was some stuff about climate change and certainly during the 2016 election, you know, I covered some things um, related to that, but compared to what's been going on for the past two years, it was, it was sporadic. You know, over the past two years has been far more consistent, even though 2022 has seen uh, a decline in frequency, but it's still more, um, it's, it's more in people's consciousness than it was in 2016 even. So it's still, it's still happening. Why do you think that is that people are paying attention more now to this issue? Well, when everybody saw the George Floyd protests, it sort of reignited this sense in people that, oh, police brutality is a big problem. I, I, it, it never disappeared from the consciousness of a lot of people in America. But I think for, if you look at what um, maybe white America's reaction to it, you know, sometimes they felt like, oh, Rodney King, it's easy to go back to Rodney King, you know, but other people knew this has always been an issue. George Floyd brought that back to the consciousness of all America. Everybody saw this, everybody saw a man die on their screens. And that kept the police brutality issue in the front of the minds of everyone. And if you look at that on top of what was going on with, with lockdown and the pandemic, it was just, I think people were overwhelmed by it, you know, and it sort of lit a fire under a lot of people to um, get up to do something that they hadn't done before. And even if they wanted to, the pandemic offered them the opportunity to do it because everybody was on lockdown. People were at home, you know. Um, if this had happened in any time prior to that, I don't think we would have seen the same response just in terms of the sheer number of people who came out to protest uh, police brutality and in support of Black lives. Why do you think people came out in such huge numbers despite the fear of COVID? Uh, people came out despite the fear because I think they had, they had a compulsion that they hadn't had before. Uh, there was an urgency to it, um, something that social media provided. You know, again, the whole world saw the same thing. Everybody saw it at the same time or, you know, within a relatively short time of one another. And um, with so many people being in a situation where they were off of work or out of school, you know, whatever the case may be, they had the opportunity to come out. You know, as I said before, it's something that people may have wanted to do in the past, but didn't have the ability to because of other commitments. But now everybody was home with, uh, for lack of a better term, nothing else to do. So when they saw this um, and everybody was sort of moved by it, they were overwhelmed by it, enraged by it. They said, okay, you know what? I have to do something. I have to get up, I have to go out, despite the fear, despite um, was going on with this pandemic, which was still new and and not well understood. You know, I was a lot of paranoia about, I don't know what's gonna happen to me if I get sick or whatever the case might be. But people felt so compelled by what they saw on their screen that they said, I have to push, push that aside and uh, go out and show my support. Um, what do you think 
What's the story you're hoping to tell? Well, with that with that photo in particular, it was just one of hopefulness. Um, of course, it, it wasn't a situation where we knew any answers. We couldn't say for sure what was going to happen, but I wanted to show that people were involved in the process. People were doing what they felt they needed to do to create change. And that's also the case really with any photo that I take um, in the context of a protest. I want, I want to show, first of all, uh, as accurate as possible of the narrative that's happening because we don't always get to see that side of it. You know, it's, it's always turned into something a little skewed one direction or another when you watch it in, in the news. But in general, the idea is just to tell, to show um, in, in 10 frames, if you're on Instagram, to show what is going on in this particular situation. Um, and to also to show that there's a thread that runs through all of these things, whether it was Black Lives Matter, whether it was the ICE protests, whether it was climate change, there is a common thread through all of this. And um, everybody who's involved with these issues on a daily basis are simply trying to do something to better their community, to better the world at large. And I think that's the bottom line in all of these photos. And why do you think it's important for people like you to have a narrative to tell stories rather than mainstream media, for example? Well, it's, it's important for somebody like me, a regular person, to tell the story because I, somebody like me is on the ground. I'm with these people every day. You know, I have no alternate agenda um, and I'm, I'm connected to these issues. You know, sometimes we would have, we would see uh, news outlets come out and they come out for 15, 20, 30 minutes and then they leave, they got their story, they tell it however they want to tell it and they're done with it. You know, there's, there didn't seem to be any investment for them, you know, but for all of us, we're very much invested in this because it means something to our lives, you know. So it's important for me as somebody who's capturing the images of these moments of these people, you know, because it's really about the people, um, to, to tell the right story, to tell the proper story so that um, we do maintain control of the narrative. That's, you know, you, there's power in being able to tell your own story uh, from your own perspective. And how did you feel like the energy was in Harlem where you're from uh, when the BLM protests were happening, started happening in June 2020 and up until today? Yeah, yeah. well, in the first, wow, that first week, I would say, it, it was amazing, you know, um, specifically in Harlem. Um, certainly, the protests carried over. They were all over the place. You know, they were here in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, all through Manhattan. And it was always very, very well attended. It was lively, it was energetic. People were both angry and um, inspired to do something about that. You know, it was, I don't think that generally the anger was misdirected. It was anger that people wanted to use in a productive way. And I think that's what everybody did. You know, um, and, and, and again, that's an important part of telling the narrative because sometimes when you will watch the news, it would be turned into something else. You know, you may have isolated incidents of um, 
you know, trash cans being knocked over, but that was in no way the the story that needed to be told. It, it didn't overwhelm, it didn't, um, it shouldn't have overshadowed what was actually happening because, you know, there was there were far bigger issues than than what the mainstream media would sometimes convey. And so that's why the narrative needs to remain with the people who are on the ground doing the work, who are showing up all the time. And um, there have to be people willing and able to tell those stories accurately. What other protests uh, and events have you been covering? Um, well, after BLM, it, I guess it led into um, some movements for ICE, uh, immigration issues, a lot of immigration issues. And more recently, it's been climate issues and um, excluded worker funds. So for uh, that's um, an issue that revolves around people who are who were left out of the COVID budgets and, and things like that that were um, uh, that were instated during lockdown. So you know, uh, street vendors and um, cleaners and you know people like that, many of whom come from Im immigrant communities and were uh, overlooked. And there was a lot of fear behind that because they don't really know how to address it with their government because there's a fear of what happens if they find out I'm not legal, you know? So their status always comes up and, you know, those communities really needed a lot of support. So I felt it was important to tell those stories so that, you know, everybody could do what they could to support them. How do you feel like, uh, you know, black issues, police brutality, um, things that, these issues that you, first started covering, how do you feel like they intersect with other issues of human rights? Well, the issue of Black Lives Matter, the, the issues that they brought out are simply human rights issues. So the, the intersection there is, you know, makes perfect sense. You know, this isn't a separate issue. You know, and I think sometimes it got framed that way um, in the news, but, um, if you support BLM, you're just saying, hey, this is a human rights issue. People should not be subjected to uh, police brutality just because of how they look. You would say, I, I would say that about anybody else. You know, if you're an immigrant, you shouldn't be subjected to brutality just because you don't speak the language or just because, you know, you cross the border. You know, these image, these, these, these issues in my mind are not separate. What do you hope to achieve um, as a photographer uh, through these photos? The main thing that I hope to achieve through my photos is to just remind people that stories matter. These stories are about people. So ultimately, people matter, right? Because I'm not showing this for any personal gain. You know, um, I supported these issues because they affect real people. You know, I don't need to know every single individual within the movement. I don't need to know everybody at, at the march. The fact is somebody in that rally, that march or whatever the case may be, has been affected by whatever the issue might be. And you look at something like climate change, everybody is or is going to be affected by climate change, you know. 
Um, and, and just because a certain issue doesn't affect you specifically doesn't mean that you can't support it. I may not be an immigrant. That doesn't mean I, I shouldn't support, you know, immigrants. And that's what that's one thing I wanted to uh, show with BLM. Like, if you're not somebody who is regularly subjected to police brutality or whatever the case may be, doesn't mean that you can't support it. So when you look at one of my images, I want people to see that these are real people. These are people who are affected by whatever is going on. And um, this is something that, again, it's a human rights issue. You need to see this, these as real people. There are stories behind each person. Even if you don't know that story specifically, just know that somebody that you may be looking at is um, directly affected by police brutality or whatever the case may be. What do you hope for these images? Um, where do you hope to see them? Where do you hope they'll be distributed? Who do you hope they'll be seen by? I, I have never given a lot of thought to things like my images being distributed. It's I, I'm very honored to have them in a book, but I, I just want people to see them and have a thought. Just even if for a second, have a thought about the people that they're seeing. If, if they show up in a textbook 20 years from now, that's great. Um, but my goal for my photos will never change. I just want people to see them and be affected by what they're seeing. Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're interested in learning more about the photographer, you can check out more of their images and stories on our website, scop.io and buy our book on any major online retailer or your local bookstore. And don't forget to subscribe and tune in to our next episode. See ya!